So Marie showed up one day with this fishnet shirt. And I was just like, I can't put a mic on that. You know, like, you're going to see it, right? And so I just put the mic, I hid it underneath a, like, a cloth napkin on the center of the table of this conference room. Right. And it was him, his nephew, and the guys doing the Cotton Club uh, audio dubbing thing. And it came out fantastic. And I was like, wow. And then I shot something, like, a couple weeks later in the hallway down here, um, and... The uh, and I had a guy. I had three mics set up on this guy, and it was horrible because it was just the room sound, like the echo. Right. right. So it's like mics. Good mics are great, but great rooms sure. are where the sound. And so it, it was just the absorption of that room right. that that did it, as opposed to like uh, it was like a really cool shot in the stairwell, but it was echoey. Like right. I just also remember reading like in in two thousand. What year did Mad Villainy come out? 03. 03. So, so in 2004. 03 or 04. Okay. 2003, 2004, uh-huh. Mad, Lib, Mad Lib and MF Doom made one of the greatest rap records yeah. of that era on a, on like a, a not very good microphone and a digital multi-track. This at the, in the same side of the genre, same other side of the genre, Sufjan Stevens were recording. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who's Sufjan? Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. He's like a, like a, like a hipster, hipster. He's like a pitchfork darling. Hipster, okay. pitchfork darling. <laughs> you guys, I, yeah, I might be asking you like, who? That's okay. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And he did the main theme for Call Me By Your Name, right? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's this, he's this dude. He's pretty good. I think, no, he's good. He's great. He's like part of the, the radical uh, religious left. He's like. Super Christian, but super, super, yeah, he's like super Episcopalian, but super like, (laughs) like, not homophobic, and and, yeah, because Call Me By Your Name is definitely, would be, is not a homophobic movie, probably not, I mean, anyways, so he made, he made these albums about states, he said that he was going to make 50, but he only made two, okay, and he made both of those on the same recording, Uh, this is all to say, he, he made it with the same Microphone and recording tools as Mad Lib and MF Doom, which is to really all I say is technology is cool and all, but really what matters is talent and yeah. and stuff. And this is all to say that this is Zebras in America podcast starting in Media Rest. Marcus, do you like movies? Yes, I do. John, do you like movies? Yes, I do. This is Zebras in America podcast episode one hundred and fourteen. That's that's four one one backwards. So if you have to call somebody, and be like, hey, to investigate four eleven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, y'all young people have no idea what four one one is, or like either the Skate magazine or the Mary J. Blige song. They might what well no. right, but maybe they wouldn't understand what what the four one one. Oh, is. gotcha, gotcha. Because four one one was a directory service, right. you know. Oh, you're taking it all. That's what I'm back saying. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're all men of a certain age here. I think I'm just guessing, John. Yeah, yeah. From, from your yeah, yeah, from salt my and pepper, gray, yeah, yeah. salt and pepper, uh, here <laughs> suit facade. So we're we're back after a small break because more uh, Marcus had to go get married. Yeah, I'm now married. Yeah. yeah, congratulations. And and I was it's my wedding ring. Yeah. And he, there's like a DJ scratch off at the wedding, and a lot of our podcasts. Yeah, I had a couple there. of turntablist buddies at my uh, at my wedding, so we had a, a scratch session at, at my at my wedding. It was really. I'll, I'll send you the video. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was dope. And, 
And I was I was essentially the only other person besides the officiate to, to speak at the service, so that was pretty dope. Yeah, Scott gave a speech, nice. uh, speech yeah, at the wedding. And, and All his own words, original words that he wrote. <laughs> uh-huh. And y'all didn't tell me that I was... I, I, I just thought that I was one of many speakers. Um, no, man. Well, you didn't tell me that, though. So, so it's a funny story, John. Um, so I, I start practicing because like, there are people that don't practice for things, but not me. I, was, I had this speech to, to present and I was practicing and I just assumed that I was, that I was the meat in a sandwich of presenters because if you've ever been to a wedding, there's many people talking sometimes. I was the only person. I didn't know this until like 30 seconds before the wedding. Oh, oh wow. It's yeah. like that. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> I, I just assumed. What kind of sandwich is that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a quick, a quick sandwich. <laughs> you know, just, never, just never a hamburger sandwich, but that's... That's a that's a joke from a previous episode. Hi, Doug. Hey, Mark. Do you ever smoke PCP? Not yet. Um, anyways, inside jokes. Uh, so Leanne, right. uh, uh, who who was the who was the officiate, is like, and oh, get former guest of the show, friend of the show, guest, guest of the show, of the show yeah. is like, oh, you know, are you ready to to be the only presenter at the wedding? I was like, yes, because I come from a school Ooh. of improvisation. You don't have a choice. You just do what you you just do what you do. Uh-huh. There's look. To turn this all back, you know, the show must go on. You gotta, you gotta rock in the show business, yeah. in the business of show. Yeah. And we started in media rest because you were talking about uh, Maurice Hines, right. for whom you just made a documentary, and we're getting the inside scoop. Yes, you are, Maury. Yeah. We got, we got to do a little bit of an intro, and I got to rewind back some. Okay. To, to the scratching portion of the wedding. All right. I, I emphasized to John, I made eye contact with John Carluccio here. Yes. Because he made a film that, and I'm not exaggerating, changed my life. When yes. I was a teenager, I got a VHS of this documentary called Battle Sounds. Yes. Predate Scratch. I just, I just want to let Pre- the listeners oh, know, go ahead. know that uh, the, thought you the, the preemptive was the, oh, the premise that go. got us to talk here today is your documentary about Maurice Hines. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but what got us, but what connected Marcus with you is is a film which is clearly the prototype of the film Scratch. Yeah. I can say that if you don't feel comfortable. I, I'm also uh, an associate producer on Scratch. No, okay. yeah, you were so, so they came to me. Okay. Like, they're like, yeah. we're doing this thing. Some and, of, yeah. like... Cause so Battle the, Sounds. Some predates of, it, no, no, yeah. some, But some of the... You can tell, because this is a documentary I watched so much. Some of the, like, essentially B-roll footage was used in Scratch, right? There's some. There's some. Yeah, yeah. So, Battle Sounds is a documentary that kind of documents a couple of eras, actually, because it's, like, we're talking Steve D. So, late 80s into the mid-ish, late 90s of not just DJ battles, but just turntablism on a whole. So, we've got, like... Rock Raider, rest in peace. Uh, peace. All the X-Men slash executioners at that time. The Scratch Pickles. Beat junkies, even even you know, uh, friend of mine, uh, Supreme. He's in it shortly. The guy who coined the term turn turntablism, uh, Grand Wizard Theodore. It's just like it, it was kind of, especially at that time, one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I didn't know what I wanted to do with DJing because by the late '90s there was great music, mm-hmm. but the music that was playing out loud in clubs wasn't necessarily the kind of stuff that I liked. And I was like. I want to do something with these turntables I bought and then like I got then I got more into scratching and then somehow oh there was like this this is under, where? Uh, where is this? In, in Amherst this underground yeah, weed Amherst. shop had a copy of Battle Sounds 
and I had already been in the scratch video, so I got this video, and then I saw it, I was like, oh, I, I definitely want to do this, I, you know, I want to battle, and it was this documentary, Battle Sounds, which you guys should all, you know, seek out, um, how did we do, what did it whatever. look like, was it this box, or was it like another, all no, 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 it was it, that, oh, okay, well, it was this, but in the, in oh, the, the plastic, the, yeah. the hard plastic, yeah, yeah. okay, the, the alright, so that, that, I'm not gonna lie, no, I'm sorry, you have a VHS dub, okay. yeah, 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 no, yeah. that's dope, yeah, no, 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 it's, it was a while, I had this, do things to try to protect it for a while because it was just like as soon as it gets out it's worth it's worth something but i couldn't get this you know yeah anyway so yeah no but ahead. then over the years i got to know john also fun fact you probably don't remember this when i was 18 i met you at ScratchCon in san francisco wow because you got brought up on stage there was something and they introduced yeah. you the guy that made battle sounds and i was like oh wow so during one of the breaks i went up and like shit i, I, oh, I was 18 dope, years old dope, dope, dope. and then we got to Scratch know each other interesting oh, over the yeah, year yeah. yeah we have yeah. we have similar friends like for example we were just talking about my wedding sugar cuts doug Cole. Yes. he was a groomsman in, in, oh, in my wedding yes so I, I got to know you for years and then one day i was walking outside yeah. of my job i bumped into you because yeah. By that, you were doing stuff for Dubstep, right? Dubspot. Dubspot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dubspot, which yeah, is yeah. around the corner from where... They had great banana pudding. Really? What? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. But, oh, I didn't know But that. no, you know what I knew at the time was uh, Shifty I was doing some yeah. stuff with. Yeah. And which, then which I was like, like, oh, the, and Shifty had mentioned you... That I was a big film guy, probably. No, I think something about architecture or something and that was like no no oh no i was getting to that no, oh, no, no you told didn't. me that i right. well a long time ago i interviewed you for pinland empire right and then i featured right, right, the, right, right, right. i featured you did this video which go to pinlandempire.com and just search john carluccio yeah. there's a video you did for shifty his world routine so i put all that on my site right i walked past you this was in chelsea and then yeah. I, you were like oh hey what's up i was like oh what's up he's like what are you doing i was like i'm just taking i'm on my lunch break and he's like well you know what do you do i don't even know what you do i was like oh i'm an architectural draftsman and you're like what I went to school for architecture. Yeah. All these years, you, I was like, oh, I didn't know. It's like, oh, you, all these years you've known me, you didn't know I No, I just assumed you went to film school. I've never associated you with architecture right, right, right. ever. Most of them. And then from, you know what, me too. Everyone <laughs> thinks I'm in film. I'm like, no, I, I, well, AutoCAD's being phased out. I use a program called CET now. Okay. But, um, and then from there, I felt like the bond was more. I was like, wow, so there's like film, turntablism, architecture. Right. Just before record, we were like, there's that Venn diagram. There's very few people yeah. who kind of have that War, I think Warren is Warren a, well, not, not even Warren doesn't have the, the DJ show. thing but yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the, but I met you well no no no, no I you introduced me to Warren yeah. and Warren like, became a good friend of mine Warren and, is sort of the reason this podcast exists oh dope in a way or oh, no, no. Yeah, like, well we always wanted to have a podcast we, I mean we always talked about doing what we wanted to do but him having us all meet up and talk and then we were then it just continued the thing and, and that was a big no. epic show it was like you me and Tume Shaka and Warren yeah at my old old Bushwick uh, music studio yeah that was, um, yeah but what it is is when you meet people like Warren and meet Marcus and you hear them talk about their, you, you, you get a sense of what their taste is especially like you're making what was you talking about Claire Denis and, oh, yeah. so, and I knew you loved Jim Jarmish and oh, all yeah. these other filmmakers and Marcus and, um, and Warren was talking about those same films and then we were just there was just there was a lot of overlap and I was like you guys could geek out about the same stuff you guys got to meet you and know yeah, and this and was seven and years you're both ago. architects I was like oh and okay we, and like the thing about Warren too is that he just has like his the way he looks at architecture the way he looks at form and function yeah is is so similar to the way I look at the arts that I'm passionate about right, okay. and in fact like. At, at, a, at a little party that Marcus was having I was talking to Warren I was showing him just like pictures of buildings that I thought were that were interesting and he was like 
explained to me, he was like, no, this is actually why this build, building sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why hard. this building is awesome. He's like, huh. you see how this, this angle is talking to this <coughs> angle and how this protrusion is different than others and yeah. how these parts are talking to these parts. And I was like, no, I didn't, but now <laughs> I do. Right, right. And now every now I can't just look at a building and just be like, oh man, thanks, thanks, because I, you know, because some people like look at a cookie and they're like, oh, delicious, and some people look <laughs> at a cookie and they're like, flour and sugar and lemon zest and chocolate, gluten free. Not, not in this <laughs> explanation. <laughs> like they think of the sum of its parts. Yeah, the uh, construction, right, 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 right. which is totally architecture school. That's I, the whole right. point. Not, yeah, not the genres of of cookies. Cookie genres. Okay. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you, like some people taste a cookie and just are like a cookie, and then some people taste a cookie and they unpack right. how the cookie happened. Got it. And yep. yeah, so ba- Battle Sounds is a fundamental VHS uh, type film. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's nice to talk about it. It's like 25 years later. It's like 25 years between feature films for me. It's like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> but then you've done so much. But that's, well, yeah, I know. Leading up to, and that's the other thing. So since then, you've done projects with, you know, over the years, every time I've been to you, it's like you, you've done stuff with like Prince Paul and his son. Yeah. You did stuff with Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. All these things. So it, it was one, in thinking about like, what led you to, you know, Maurice Hines? Mm. But then it was like, I mean, it's like turntablism, hip hop, music black music yeah and then that so it's not that far-fetched to it's a little little far-fetched i mean i I do i mean i still have a i think there's a common i mean when when we start talking about the film i do have some connections of oh yeah i want to see what you guys thought of some i have some hip-hop parallels that's what i would call that's where i would get to which is definitely a few because maurice hines for the listeners is gregory hines uh older brother brother. But I, I want to uh, step back a second because so scratch for mm-hmm. people who who don't know the film mm-hmm. is 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 the is the more famous yeah uh, turntablism film yeah, yeah yeah and that's a film that talks about this you know the history of turntablism up to that point and mm-hmm. and is a good no 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 it had some, it did have if you're ahead. You you know that there were some glaring holes, but it's still a very good introduction. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, all yes. films are going to have holes, but yeah, it, but yeah, I mean, the DJ Shadow part is fantastic. I remember, and but uh, you know what was great about that DJ Shadow part that everyone always talks about in Scratch. Yeah. For those who don't haven't seen, there's a scene where they're at Kubert's uh, studio, mm-hmm. and he's scratching with Kubert, and Kubert. But it's Cuban and D Styles. They're they're like the two Jordans. I'm using it, you know. The, At the, the time, the, they the, were the, the best. I think they still are. But a lot of people didn't know. I mean, everyone when that movie first came out, a lot of people were like, oh, DJ Shadow can cut. Like they were all yeah, like they always true. associated him like that's as true. a producer. And that's also a great scene because in that scene with Cuba and DJ Shadow trading bars, Madlib is just there in the corner, just like vibing out and just watching them. He's just like there hanging out. So that's wow. so that's also. But I like honestly, I was more. Because my thing was so much about scratching and stuff, the digging stuff that Shadow was doing yeah. and like the karma he was describing, yeah, right. I felt like that was awesome because I, my wife does like thrift shops and stuff and it's like you go to a place and you're like, it was your destiny to find this record or it was destiny. Yeah. And that kind of... That was Z-Trip. No, no, I thought. Well, no, there was like he was... What was it? He was in a basement. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He was... I like that. He was ripping out... 
pages of, of white, he was ripping out white pages of record stores so no one else could find his, his yeah, slaps. I don't remember yeah. that part. Yeah. But no, I have a good connection with that film. I mean, when they started making it, they reached out to me because they were LA based. Right. And they're like, and the New York DJs that they first were reaching out to were like, you need to talk to John. And so then I was like, yeah, I'll help you out. I, I was like kind of in a place where you can't beat him, join him kind of right. thing. I was like, my thing was shot with High 8 video. And this was a film. The Hughes brothers were the executive producers. Yep. And so I was like, I got to get down with these guys. And it, it ended up being a good film. But there was one thing that you just said that sticks with me that I've heard other people. Dave Paul, who did the bomb, um, did that hip hop thing. Oh, yeah, Return of the DJ. Return of the DJ. But that was also a a graffiti magazine in San Francisco. So that was like the record for the magazine or something. But Dave does DJing still. But we had a conversation about Scratch. He's in Scratch. And we were saying, kind of after that point, turntablism sort of plateaued. I mean, you still had guys like A-Track and Craze. But, and I, I wonder if that documentation of like, what you said, what you say, like you said, the, the Jordan and um, D Styles and Cuba, they're like the, 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 the two Jordan. Jordan, right? Right, right. But what happens to an audience member or a DJ that is looking up to them, they might just say, Well, I can't get better than that. And I wonder if that, well, I think, I think they got different than that, like turntables and now yeah. are so different. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's a totally different mechanism and existence. But it kind of did plateau as far as I thought. But I that always thought that, you know what I thought too, because as someone who I've essentially, reco- with, with a friend of mine, I even, I recorded a whole turntablist album and we just have never put it out. Mm-hmm. The one thing, I don't know, why. Well, I, I know a few reasons why, but <clears throat> I think the, the most prominent DJ groups mm-hmm. They're a combination of some of the greatest DJs ever. Right. Yeah. And I think that the, but what people don't realize, if you're doing a group thing, you just need one guy who's maybe good at solo scratching, that's one guy that's good at drumming, one guy that's good at just like right. little like flavor stuff. Like, they play the role. That, yeah. that, that intimidated a lot of people. But and, and, yeah, they would like, I yeah. mean, X, the X Men and Invisible Scratch Pickles are like, you could just list those guys and those are some of the greatest. Yeah. Scratchers. Yeah. 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 So you're, that's and they were so different. Like, cause you have that East Coast style of the beat juggling. Like, I remember go. going to old Fat Beats, rest in peace, to just like get the X Men cassettes that they would yeah. that they would have yeah. with very bad color printing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was like they were like twelve dollars, and and I was just <laughs> the way that they the way that they looked at beat juggling was was so abstract and different and confusing in a way that I loved. Now, Rob Swift, I think he's the only person to ever like. Do be juggling musically like on his first album, The Ableist. He's the only one to ever incorporate. Well, Total Eclipse did it on the second album, but like they put beat. It's when you take me, it's like all about scratching, but they made beat juggling beats out of the it's beat juggling, which is create, like a lot of I don't think anyone's things. really maybe uh, Kid Koala. But Kid Koala was still more <coughs> like music. Was like more of like turning the scratches into a musical instrument. Sure. Where I I remember going to a show where like um, oh shit. What what was the what was the the writer in uh, Wild Style? Charlie Faze. Oh, the Faze. writer. Oh, the yeah. writer. Faze. So it's two. Faze. Yeah. No, Faze. no. Zorro. Zorro. Oh, oh, Lee. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I mean Phase Two is incredible. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Lee. Yeah. Like, because like Phase Two that he did he did the the work for Company Flow and and for LP and you know that's a he's a deep guy. Man. Deep he guy. was a deep guy. Right. Yeah. 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 And like uh, Futura still is a person Fantastic. that exists in many many generations. Futura, check out just Google the graffiti artist Futura. I mean, 
do do his own stuff I mean, for DJ Shadow. Did stuff for DJ Shadow. Yeah, and then it circles back to the Moax exactly. label and all that. Yeah, and Moax. Um, yeah. I mean, Ramel Z, rest in peace, is still my favorite of all graphics. Oh, he's an interesting guy. Because of his... Yeah, that's an understatement. Understatement, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but wait. But where was I? Shit. No, but oh, I want to say one thing, though, about... Oh, like, so Zorro. Zorro, okay. So I'm, I'm at a free concert in Washington Square Park in 2003. Zorro's there, Lee's there, doing doing live, live graffiti. Wow. The X-Men, who are now called the Executioners. Wait, where was this? Washington Square Park? Washington Square Park. I think I had to shoot this a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, because so, it was for Truth or something. Yes, like it was for Truth. It was Truth, and the cigarette were, campaign. And, and I just had the, a video, like a time lapse of him doing <coughs> oh, that wow. truck. Okay, so yeah. right. So he's doing the truck. Jam Master J is there. Yeah. The Executioners, are, who are now the Executioners, mm-hmm. not the X-Men, due to being sued by Marvel. They're, 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 they're about to put out that record with Linkin Park that blows them the fuck up. Mm. There's there's uh, uh there's Africa Bambata, and then who this was way before his scandal. Yeah, you don't need to just and yeah. and just like all this amazing That's culture a great film and all these young young dudes mm-hmm. don't even know who some of these people are. Yeah, right? Right. but the executioners start taking like this Timberland beat, and because they were like they were like backpack guys, right. so like people are like, why are they doing this Timberland beat? And then they changed the fucking time signature. They were yeah, doing like, it. Yeah, like yeah. they were just doing something else. And I just thought that was so dope. And and or like they're just it was just so fun and so so interesting to see how different uh, these two incredibly talented crews, uh, the executioners and the invisible scratch pickles, were. Yeah. But it, I just will say this: the it's a weird thing, and I'm thinking about. It. Scratch battle sounds or just any kind of public uh, documentation of a underground genre, right? Whether some in some cases it inspires, and right. then in some cases that's what I was saying about Scratch. It might have like plateaued a little, and and what's interesting about what I saw as a real pattern in creative arts and in creative communities in general right. is. When the when Jazzy Jeff and Cash Money started to step up as mm. the 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 pre turntablists, but the real you know hip hop DJs to look up to, mm-hmm. right? It came out of the fact that New York kind of plateaued and everyone wanted to be a rapper, and that New York was not showing Philadelphia love, and yeah. so so that kind of boundary of saying step away made them work even harder, right? Mm-hmm. Then they get accepted, then it's L.A. And it's like Joe Cooley, Aladdin, and they're like they're they're knocking on the door. And I remember when Aladdin showed up to this battle with Jerry Curls, like at, in New York, yeah. he was he was he was being heckled. He, he I heard some he did he talked about it on some podcast or some kind of radio show recently. But I remember being there and being like, but he was dope. And right. then the next time he came back for the he had a different look, right? But it was like L.A. was knocking on the door, and then L.A. got in, and then. What happened was, and then San Francisco eventually after that, but what I think was, because they didn't, they had to be different and not like New York and not like LA, they created their own um, subgenre or their own the style. style. Right, right, their own style. The most important, outside of literally the scratch created by Grimes and Theodore, for those, like the, the most important scratch to turntablism in my opinion, came out of Philadelphia, the Transformers scratch, created right. by DJ Spinbad. Not the, the, the Spinbad, the white the, Spinbad, right, who is one of, the, one of the best to do it, but this is a DJ from Philly. And then <coughs> Jazzy Jeff was the first person to record 
you right. transform scratch and then you're right and then from LA was a little more well run because when you think of they LA you think the beat junkies yeah, yeah, yeah but you they know, were fast oh, and then shit, the Bay Area was super fast yeah. and then San Francisco because they had they were grounded in like electro music but LA but, also actually just all of California but what it is is like the someone someone like a community creates something they set up these sort of boundaries like when someone's like trying to come in you know and sometimes they're open but sometimes they they have even a, they're a little more aggressive in pushing people away and it forces that other group to work twice as hard and surpass that group yeah. in some ways you know what I mean I mean I think it, that that's one of the reasons why why like Atlanta just keeps on re- reinventing itself in rap because every time like uh, rap uh, traditionalists say, "Oh, this has to be one way. This has to be one way." Yeah. Atlanta just like, "All right, we'll create something new." Yeah. yeah, and then it becomes very different. And also to go back to these early things you were talking about is that also there was a time in rap and and creativity where to be like someone else would be the grossest thing you could do. Yeah. So you well, have, right, that's what's changed. Yeah, a lot. Like yeah. like individualism. Uh, is really important. Like, I remember he- reading about like Freestyle Fellowship that like yeah. they were doing these new styles because they were like, we have to, you cannot come the same as these East Coast yeah. rappers because right, right, right. we have to, so we have to be different. And that's why like underground West Coast rap is so strange. And yeah, I think part of that has to do with with that, that evolution. <coughs> I just want to tap on one idea you were talking about how there's this like fallacy in like anthropology mm-hmm. that you can that you can um, non non interact with something because like the second you record it, the second you take notion of that's, it, that's what, that 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 mm. affects the outcome. That's exactly that's a dilemma all documentary filmmakers yeah. have. So yeah. so once you once you once you appear, it actually changes the direction. So like there's like the prime directive in Star Trek where like you try not to mess with. A culture if they're not ready to that's a Star Trek thing yeah that's yeah. cool <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a trekker I'm, I'm not but yeah it's I'm cool just, I just was writing I'm in, I'm in grad school for social work so I've actually been writing this paper about how um, interaction with fandoms is a form of mutual aid but that's a whole nother but no but it's like that term cool hunting it's like when you when you yeah. when you seek it out but that's why they you know that word hunting actually makes sense because once you find it, you've killed it in yeah. a way. It's like so, it's no longer cool. So the prime directive you know? is that you're not supposed to, like, if you're like a future spaceman and you come you come to a planet that hasn't discovered fire yet, you have, you have to back off. But you just fucked up the the direction of this this yeah civilization because they just saw some spacemen. Yeah, some guy, a teacher, had said like, yeah, well, he's like, if a kid is doing Einstein's theory or something. You don't say, "Oh, it's gonna go to this point." You just, you let him get to that point, and he might create. He might go somewhere else. Yeah. So it's that thing where you have to, not, yeah. That's the dilemma that I think as a documentary filmmaker sometimes you have, like where it's like, I, you see a way that it could be better, and you're like, or you see a way like that you could do something that could affect their their trajectory, and you have to play it easy. Although with the DJs, I did end up doing that. Like with this, with the transcription, there's something I was like, really like, you guys are need to like, and that's that comes out of the architecture too. So it was just um, there's also, ways of doing it. And you also you also like if something is so underground and doesn't want to be documented, mm-hmm. you run the risk of it being forgotten. So so right. do, so do you risk 
hurting the art and mm -hmm. allow it to be an artifact for people to enjoy and understand or like try to find try to find like deep ghetto tech cuts out of, outside of Detroit mm -hmm. try to find like certain weird genres of Chicago house outside of Chicago um, or like even like hard trance the, right. some of those genres if unless you're a super duper deep into that you probably couldn't name three artists of each of those mm -hmm. genres and because those genres are were so like averse to any sort of um, you know and if I'm wrong let me know but because mm -hmm. there's it's hard like I don't even know how you would it would be so difficult to make a documentary about like ghetto tech okay but so is that good is that bad um, it's it is I mean, there's a, another term they talk about in documentaries is like parachuting. Like there's people who come into a community that they're not familiar with. Mm. They parachute in and yeah. they leave, you know, yeah. and that's the thing you have to be really aware of. Right. And you give people you could give people false hopes or false. Well, Dark Days is another example, too. A okay, lot of Dark, which Day, I Dark, Days I is, Dark Days. Dark Days is up there for me. Like, I, I'm glad you brought that. Yeah, that's like I, one I, of those I, I talk about a lot. Shadow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We all, because the thing that I that I my, my, my thing with that movie is he kinda the, the filmmaker left that scene up, but I almost feel like he earned his stripes. He like, totally he earned must have lived No, he all earned his stripes. Because yeah, a lot I think no matter what film on that level, there's always gonna be some criticism. So there was some kicking of dust and then so the realist in me it's like, alright, so he made the movie, so is he supposed to live in the subway? Well, well like, that's it's always kinda, been my thing. It's yeah, like, I mean I think it's yeah, if it has the right as as soul, the yeah, film has exactly. soul, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I think that, like I think of Ron Howard now. He's doing like he did a film about Jay Z. He just did a film about Pavarotti. He's just diving into things that he's curious yeah. about. And it's kind of like I guess if they're that big, it's okay to like he's not doing like micro <laughs> underground culture. But still, though, that when that stuff happens, that falls on the artist too, and that ha that's happening a lot in hip hop where it's like there'll be. Um, like on Nori's podcast, Drink Chance, mm -hmm. he a couple of episodes in a row he went on this rant. I, I forgot who. It was. Oh, so when someone like Nicki Minaj mm -hmm. or someone goes on Ellen and he's kind of like, "That's fine," like no hating, but at the same time, it's like, can Drink Chance get the interview? Can Joe Budden get the interview? Can like right. the pod, the big podcast of that culture? Right. Can hip hop get the hip hop interview before you go to like? Ellen or Ron Howard, you know, like you say, and that's right. something that that I always think about right. too. And I think Cause also, when you're on Jay Z's level too, you're at some party with Ron Howard. Yeah, but right. So there's that, a party. It's like, oh, Ron Howard. This is I want to do Ron Howard, not this or, guy. You know, or they know that it's going to be safer to go with the Ron Howard or go with the Ellen. They know, yeah. and then they can control yeah. the the narrative. They can more. control the narrative. We're like, yeah. right. who knows what Nori's going to say to Jay Z? Who knows what Nori's going? I want yeah. to hear what he has to say. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> right. But but he's going to be more comfortable. He yeah. knew Jay Z when he was wearing Hawaiian shirts. Like yeah. they know each they know each other. There's history. There's there's a there's a different sort of potentiality for it. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about doc documenting and we talk about trying to preserve preserve these things. So what brings you to deciding to preserve and tell the story of Maurice Hines? Uh, I was introduced to him through a friend, actually a friend of mine who worked with Fat Beats, this guy Mark Kotlinski. His friend from high school was Maurice's kind of assistant or manager, some sort of dresser, with, you know, for shows. He'd be yeah. the guy. 
And he was like, he talked to Mark. He goes, Mark, you know anybody? We got to do a film. And Mark was like, yeah, I know someone. Let's So, so Mark, myself, and this guy, um, Carlos, we sat down with Maurice, had lunch with him. And I was like, oh, this is, he's super charming. This is great. And I was like, super but, charming. yeah, yeah, super. Yeah, he's a showman. He's a complete showman. And I, a song and dance man. A song and a triple threat. Triple, triple threat. threat. But he, um, but I wasn't sure if it was for me. I was right. just like, but I had you know done a little research and I had seen the Cotton Club and I knew about Gregory. It was, I was really sad when Gregory passed away too. So I was like, there's this brother thing, and that spoke to me because my I have uh, a younger brother that we, he went to NYU Film School and I would sneak into school with him and do projects with him. And then we had a falling out. We still talk, but I understand that brotherly dynamic that, like, you still have brotherly love, but sometimes you want to talk shit about him, but that's not cool because it's like, then you, it's your brother. You don't like, right. no, people are not going to see that he's still cool. You know, you're not going to pick sides and all that kind of stuff. And then the, the creative partnerships, I, you know, I think a lot of people could identify with, like, your friends and then, and then, Ten years later, you, you you haven't spoken, you know that yeah. kind of thing, um, yeah. and then I also just the tap world I love too. I mean, it does speak to a little bit of Similar the DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Honestly, it's crazy. There's a lot of overlap in the community and how it has to preserve itself right. and not get over. And that's even deeper because there's 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 a deeper history with tap and and African American sure, culture course, and course. blackface and all this stuff. It's like what it's so there's even a stronger kind of right. chip on the on the shoulder that, of a tap dancer. Like sort of sort of addressed in the in the movie Bamboozled with, right. with another and, famous tap And I have to I don't know I have to shout out a podcast that just talked about this. Uh, there's a so if you want inside niche kind of thing, there's a thing called the Tap Love Tour podcast, which this guy, Travis Knight, is, is a tap a, dancer. Is, is it passionate? It's pa it's I mean, inside it's all, all I care about. But it's I'm all about but this one episode is about bamboozled. And how Spike kind of did it wrong. Oh. Yeah. So, so please. Because I love bamboo. Yeah, yeah. But how much Spike did certain things right. So it was, it's, but it's really interesting because you know how that ends. It ends yeah. violent and, and a tap dancer gets killed. And what is, this, what is this podcast called? Tap Love Tour with Travis Knights. So you know that's loosely based on a true story? Wow. Did not know that. In Los Angeles, there was like a gang shootout with the cops and all the black members of the gang got shot. There was one white guy and they didn't, he got arrested, but they didn't shoot him. And a lot of people don't know that. It's like, if, if oh. you look at, you have to use the, cause it, it literally, it happened, wow, 95 or right, 96. Right, right. So if you use the right uh, search words, like it'll come up. It was right, right. like all the black people got shot and the one white guy got, got spared. What was that? Search? Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, search, yeah, 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 exactly. So, MC but, Search, he plays 113th, if I remember correctly. <laughs> no, 16th. 116. <laughs> Get your in, fractions right then. In, in the fictional rap group, the Mau Mau's. Yeah. Ooh, deep, deep. Well, anyway, um, but it's a, it's a beautiful community of folks that are really about their culture right and and a long story culture long story and a long and you know it's and they it's a rhythmic element to it that they're right. they're musicians they're live musicians basically they're, they're like well, it's percussion it, yeah, yeah so there's what they are dancing is the music they're making music as they dance yeah. so it's yeah. a very it's it's so there's a lot of overlap in understanding and in 
appreciation of that community. So I, I really liked that, and I found so, myself really into it. When, when Marcus sent me the thing, I, I told him, I was you know, I always wanted to be a tap dancer. Which I really know. Yeah, yeah, I always, I, I, you know, I just always thought it was the coolest thing. Yeah. But I didn't want to, like, it also, you know, you, ne- you, always, you never want your kid to get into drumming. You know, right, you, right. it's much easier for your kid to get into an instrument that's not so annoying on the way to good. Right, right. Like, on the way to good at, at certain things. Like, I mean, on the way to good. Someone that got turntables, uh, so I was yeah. not good at scratching for, from the beginning. Yeah, 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 you gotta make and I think about my pet. Someone made it, because I've been getting well, more into scratching now. You put headphones on, it's hard with drums. But even the clicking of the, like, someone, I, I've been posting a lot of scratch videos on Twitter, and this guy was like, Commented, he's like, I appreciate hearing good scratching because years ago in my apartment with thin walls, I lived next to this guy who just bought turntables and he wasn't good, so I had to hear this crappy nonsense. And then I was like, Oh, I never thought about the shit my parents had to yeah, listen yeah, to exactly. all, the, all the bad exactly. nonsense because even good scratching can be a little piercing to the ears, so bad scratching is like, Ah, yeah. Know? We live next but, door to a kid that's learning how to play the trumpet, and oh, jeez, it some oh, some nights some nights are great, some nights are not. You know, because sure. that that ap- aperture, aper- aper- aperture, aperture, it, it's it's hard. That's why you, you know pick up the clarinet or the saxophone. You, then you just have to. It's so it's so complex. Wow. So tell us a little oh, bit so, about Maurice Hines. So the the there are a couple things that drew me to him. One that brother story, but he's right. I realized right away he's like a lovable agitator, and I generally like people like that oh. that really speak their truth, sure. and, but at the same time. Could rub people the wrong way. I can I can identify with that. And you, it was you just ever, you ever break dance? No, oh. no. <laughs> well, we ask guests, and like, and, and one of the most unexpected guests, a filmmaker, Liam Gavin, turns out he was a break dancer. So, like, oh, <laughs> so we all we ask all of our, our guests. Oh, okay, yeah, you should dance. have like a lit, like a before you yeah. start. We have talked have. about all four elements thus far on the on the podcast. That's yeah, pretty cool. yeah. Anyway, but I'm sorry, anyway. we just haven't gotten to the fifth element. Which is love. Which is love. Or beatboxing. Beatboxing. Yeah. yeah. Um, there you go. Okay. All right. Done. 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 Um, but uh, so I liked his personality, and then there was all these other layers. Him being gay. Him right. being like uh, like the, the distance, not being spoken about. Um, him just him like his his looking for love, and it was just right. like he was really he's a survivor, and so. Um, so at first I was kind of putting it off, uh, and then, uh, we eventually got, uh, oh, a friend of mine at the Apollo Theater said, I said, can I shoot just a little, like, sizzle reel with Maurice? He's like, sure. So on a union break, we got there, we only had like an hour and a half, and I got him on the stage to do something, I got him in the audience, uh, in the seats to talk a little, I got him in the, I, we shot, like, so much in one hour, really, like, two, almost two hours. And that's a lot of that's in the film. And, and this I remember, you had a party here like years ago. Yeah. And that's when I think it started. And you were like telling me about it. And at the time, I didn't even know if it was like a feature idea yet. You just, you had, yeah. you're talking about the, the Heinz brothers. Who's the younger? Um, the Menzari brothers? No. no. The ones who were referenced in the films, the one that came before them. Nicholas uh, brothers. The Nicholas brothers, yeah. Like you, you had pictures of them up on yeah. the wall. And yeah. so I was like, oh, is this going to be a feature? And it's kind of cool to be doing Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it slowly grew. And then he said, um, I'm going to LA for the. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do another film without a budget. I was just like, I'm tired of doing things on my own dime. Let me just do this little sizzle reel. And then he's like, oh, Francis Coppola called me. I'm going to be doing. Um, 
we're doing some overdubbing for the re-release of the Cotton Club film in LA, and I'm gonna also go see Debbie Allen, who's getting me to teach a class, and it's gonna be in LA. I was like, you know what, I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah, so then picked up and shot that, got a lot of footage. Uh, Coppola wasn't there, but we, we shot, like, and then Gregory's son, I got to interview, who's, who lives in LA. And so they all came up together, and I was like, okay, I stuck. So, and he was so open. He was right. so, yeah. he's so open, and he's hilarious. He's really yeah. funny. And I was like, I really got a strong character. Yeah, yeah, you have, and, you have, the, you have what you need for a right. documentary, and also the, the pacing of it is really great. There's, there's some stuff that happens in the end, towards the end of the movie yeah. that I don't want to give away. Right. But I was very interested in the, that dimension and the way you handled well, it. Well, I'll say maybe that's, it's some of the archives, so I... There's a lot of archive stuff in there, and I've always treated archives, or at least I think I do, like hip-hop samples and stuff. Right. And a hip-hop sample doesn't always have to have... A lot of people use archives to illustrate something in a film, right? And I'm using it not just to illustrate something, but to use it for um, energy or an emotional effect. Right. As, well, as much. So, like, Public Enemy could sample, I don't know, sample Sly Stone... It, it might not be anything, they may not have any association with what they're doing, but the energy of that sample fits. Right. And so I would try to find things that felt like the energy fit. Like that was my goal as far as like what I would use for archives. Mm -hmm. But when going into my, even to make my sizzle reel, it was like the Cotton Club, uh, Sesame Street. And yeah. it was with, which uh, Gregory and Maurice did this thing called Near and Far where they would dance close yeah. and apart. And a third thing, I can't remember offhand. Oh, I think the Tony Awards that yeah. Gregory um, finally wins. I saw those clips, maybe a fourth one, and I was like, okay, I can structure a film around yeah. these wow. things. Okay. So I almost, in some ways, I placed those in the three acts early. Right. right. Um, they and moved around a little, but I knew the, the Gregory's Tony speech, where that would land. I knew this dance that Gregory and Maurice have, I mean, where you, that could land, you the know. Way, the, when you placed that that part, his Tony speech, where mm -hmm. when you did, yeah, I was like, I was fucked up. A lot of I people was, are. I was fucked up yeah. about it. But that. it wouldn't work if I put it right in the start. No, it's no, like no. Right, I had to build everything to that well, point. Because yeah. my, my my beef with so much documentary film is that that you have you with do, documentaries can play play it cheap. Because you already have the delicious ingredients, mm -hmm. but it's it's how you put it together. Because it because you already have a good story, yeah. then art then are you making a good film? Films, most films have arcs, have have you know rhythms and cadences. Yeah. So when you play that there, but I just want to double back a little bit. So. Maurice Hines, older but brother. But just one thing about the story, the thing that I found is like a lot of documentaries have events. Right. But a good story is kind of the emotional story. And that's yeah. what I sort of tied everything to. It was like kind of like, yeah. where do you feel sad? Where do you feel happy? Sure. Where some, some documentaries, and, they're, and it, some are great, just mm -hmm. kind of document, but there's not a narrative in it. And sometimes right. they have right. so, you know, so not, it's, not, it's, not everyone it's does what, that. It's what you do with it, right? Right. So you have Maurice Hines, older brother Gregory Hines. Mm -hmm. They're they're a entertainment family. Yep. They, yeah. Even the father. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, they Hines, they, Hines they, they enact with their father. They're yeah. they're on the road doing doing work like at the age of eight or nine. Yeah. Um, incredible tap dancers in the vein of like the Nicholas Brothers. Yep. And uh, Maurice goes to goes on to be like a very well known and loved in his world. Mm -hmm. sort of character and Gregory Hines becomes a very famous 
Superstar. Uh, ambassador of tap dance and mm. uh, you know he's in he's in uh, blazing blazing not blazing tap dance, oh uh, history of the world history, history of the world, world. <coughs> he should, you know he he evil destruction, evil destruction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very, very I've never seen the film I saw no I saw clips from it but I couldn't you know you have to watch it you have to watch it yeah I mean I feel like you do as yeah I would I should have saw it it's the least connected to anything tap dance I mean he's done plenty of movies that had nothing to do with tap but this is the most He's this like cop in the future tracking down this like killer robot space woman. And it's like, kind of awesome. He's got a flamethrower yeah. in it, right? Yeah. No, it's not. No. Yeah, he has this like special gun that I remember trying to make <laughs> oh, as a kid with my construct. <laughs> so, so you could say he tried yeah. to make it at home, but it wasn't the same. It, it definitely wasn't the same. I definitely tried to make it home, it wasn't the same. And he was yeah. really into like he really he was able to pull off the the one long earring. Yeah. Oh, he was. oh yeah. Oh, but I don't know. He pulled up, but that was such an eighties guy yeah, thing. He did. Yeah. Didn't Jordan and a lot of basketball players try, but not long. But not like how he did it. Yeah. There's also the Italian kid in uh, Toy Soldiers. He, he <laughs> that's a deep, deep reference. I don't know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He had an yeah. earring. Yeah, yeah, he had a long earring. Sometimes you see like Harrison Ford like on an interview, and he still rocks it. Yeah, like a little really. stud. Not yeah, a long a earring. Stud. A little stud. But oh, there's a there there are men of a certain generation. That He's like cool. they hold yeah. on to it. It's like a it's like a tattoo to them or something. It's, it's like, like I got it. Yeah. I'm yeah. still a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a cool guy. You know, I know there's a guy I know who yeah, his age in the sixties. So I mean sixty years old has So him. you have this you have this dude that's just like is clearly a man of integrity, mm-hmm. very open. Very open. Um out when when that when well, in in the in show business people were often like it was like they were out, but not out. Like it was like sort of. Yeah, it was kind of okay. Especially he was guarded in Broadway. Like right. Broadway yeah, yeah. world. Like in Broadway, yeah, Broadway yeah. world, people were out, but yeah, they might yeah. not be out outside of Broadway, and it's yeah. complex. And, yeah. Right, right. And the sort of. But it's not like it wasn't like a Billy Porter period like no. now, where it was just like, oh, okay. They know he's gay. They know you know. They, which who? Which I didn't even realize until mm-hmm. the documentary. What's his? Um, who I took a selfie with on the street two years ago. Uh, the guy you interviewed, oh, what is it? from Total Recall? With, with oh, Mel. Mel, Mel Johnson, yeah. Mel Johnson yeah, Jr. Talk about, yeah, like oh, you, you took know, a picture with him. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Mel's the best, and Mel's yeah. the best guy to talk on the phone because his voice is like the best. Right? It's like, yeah. hello, John. It's yeah. The best. yeah, the best. He's, and, he's such a great guy. You know, so like they, and then they, the the Heinz brothers have had mm-hmm. a falling out. Yep. And and I just love that Maurice is like, I'm not talking about it. We don't, you know. That was the thing I felt like. Well, one other thing I was thinking initially was like, what if it's kind of like a horror movie? <coughs> Some kind of, not not horror movie, but like a suspense or mystery. Mystery. No, that was I what said it was right, a, right, it's like, a MacGuffin. Yeah. It's a MacGuffin. What is, yeah, what, I know that term. What does that mean? So it's like like something that becomes a plot device that you think might be one thing, but it, but it isn't. It's it's more like something that gets you to some place. Got it. But, so the, some of the, one of the best uh Definitions of the MacGuffin is the the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Oh, got it, got it. Like it's it's a thing that you think has importance and brings mm. point A to point B, but you never know what's in like you. Right. And and what's fun more is is you have the speculation. Yeah. So what I was at first thinking was like Gregory haunts the film. That's the way I was first thinking about it. No, I took it. No. I took it down a little. A lot, actually. But I was thinking that's how Maurice must be thinking. Like, uh, every time I turn on the TV, Gregory's on. And, right. And he won't, you know. But he didn't experience that kind of life. So I didn't push that narrative on there. 
he really just kind of was like, he's doing his thing. I'm different than him. That's it. Um, you know, but he downplays the pain. And that's the, as for a guy who's completely open, that's the one secret. Like, and it was just kind of like, like when you're like that, you're owed that, like you're allowed that it's like, that's, I think what the goal, the goal is to try to show that like, you're allowed anything else, but this one thing, he like, wants to give me my privacy for one thing. That's yeah. all I'm asking. And it's kind of interesting. I wonder like different generation with social media and stuff like that, like how that plays. I haven't found out mm. yet, like how, how that's going to play, but there's something, like no secrecy in no, this. Yeah. But we're, but they we're must still, understand estrangement though. Those kids definitely understand like a guy someone doesn't speak to you for years. So there there is that parallel, like how do you and then there's all this like these were these were guys in the public eye and then they're no longer together and every time someone sees them, like, How's your brother? How, and they would you know, just say oh, he's good, you know. Whatever. I assume <clears throat> they never actually said it in the documentary, but it was yeah. just like we just know like there's that clip, you know. They're they're at their mom's. Well, I guess they're her second her second wedding. Right, right. And they're in a picture together, both smiling. And I right then I imagine I was like I can imagine all those years. Like, hey, how's your brother? Oh, he's fun. Like that. Like they just both. No, yeah. There's a good say clip. That and just I know. Brush it off. Yeah, there's an archive that I found. I was trying. I was thinking if I could find three of them would be great. But I only found one. But I couldn't get the couldn't get access to. It, it was at Lincoln Center. It was like from Essence Magazine had a thing where Maurice was doing some hip hop thing for their like like magazine show. And the, and the woman's like, say hello to your brother. He goes, and I will, I will. And this, they clearly weren't speaking at the time. So there's all that kind of stuff going on that they're like in the public, they just didn't want people to know about it. So I just wonder like, we'll see how, how people, how audiences react to it. I always, and you know, I come, that, that whole aspect, I mean, one, you mentioned earlier, because Cotton Club kind of plays throughout that, how that yeah. relationship <clears throat> mirrored in real life. Right, right. And I'm someone too, Scott also, we're both only children. And it's like siblings to only, only children yeah. are just, it's the most fascinating thing on so many levels. Really? Because yeah. well, you don't, I have nothing to base it off of. Except like the two prominent, it's like my two best friends are brothers. Mm-hmm. And my father and his younger brother, mm-hmm. my father may rest in peace. They, I, like, they, for the most part, they got along. And my friends, Eddie and Andy, are like buddies. They're not even brothers. So when I come across people with siblings and they're just like... What's the age difference? That's the other thing. Six years. Well, six years between my friends. Between the... With my dad and my brother. With my dad and his brother, my uncle, it's 12 years. Um, Between them. Yeah. See, that's what it is. But but the thing is, though, so when I... But even when, like, they're closer in age, Mm -hmm. like, once you get past that, both being over 18 threshold, it's easier to... But whenever there's that case, like Maurice and Gregory Hines... Where it's like, yeah, we don't speak anymore. As someone who's like, I have a lot of friends, but at some point, you always have to go home. Yep. So when you're an only child, it's so boring. Even if you have, I had a loving household, it's still just you. It's like, your parents are adults. They're not doing adults, so you're just like, <laughs> it's just you. That's so when I find out that siblings, like, we don't talk anymore, I'm like, wow, you had, like, you had an automatic friend. How, like, what happened? Why and I'm like, your automatic <laughs> friend. And it's not blame. I'm always like, what happened? Like, I'm always like, wait, nah, I, like, if I were with Marie, I'd be like, what specifically? And you can, ga- I mean, you can gather. It's like, when you're like this, between, from five and three years old, for decades, after mm-hmm. a certain point, and everyone has their tics, everyone has their things, it's like, oh my God, enough. I'm sure that's really what it was, because, like, when you did do, it, it's, the, none of it was classic, like, there clearly wasn't a woman, you know, that, that, that got between them, which is, which, can be the case, 
or like money. I it definitely was a. I, I think it was just like growing apart. It's ego and a lot of too, attention. and and ego. Yes, ego. yes, ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm always like, wow, siblings don't talk anymore. Like, yeah. I I was that only child too. Always asking my parents, like, I want a brother, I want a sister. Ah, Although at a certain age, being around other friends who had siblings and seeing, I was like, oh, I don't want that. Like just little yeah, things, yeah. like well, snitching and telling. I was yeah. like, nah, 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 nah. Oh, I never mind. I, I don't want a brother or a sister. In the film, though, there's yeah. the Manzari, Manzari brothers, right. and it was funny when we're sitting at the table. You could tell I, I didn't expect this, but they started to talk about how they they don't see eye to eye. That they right. start, like have to have their solo thing. And I could see how they got kind of on each other's nerves, each other's yeah. nerves. And um, but we're gonna—I actually just talked to them today. But they um, and they're performing. At, they're doing a class right now um, in Miami. So we're getting ready for the and film they, festival. And they are the Manzari brothers, and they're tap dancing brothers around. They're in their mid twenties and yeah. stuff. Um, but Leo and John Manzari—they're two guys from DC that Maurice discovered and embraced. And but they only come together for Maurice's shows. They do their own thing. But it took wait, they realized that I think they might have learned from the lesson of the film in some ways. Right. And know that like you gotta, you gotta give careful. people their space. Yeah. You know? also, oh I'm sorry, go ahead. I also yeah. just think like one, it's like nice to like have this uh very celebratory retrospective of like uh, an older gentleman and then like an older older black LGBTQ yeah. gentleman like there's a lot of celebrations that don't always get seen yeah. especially in film yeah. so I thought that was that was really really dope and the yeah. way that he celebrated and even in parts that happened towards the end like is still done with a lot of uh, integrity yeah. and I Thank think you. I think that's great and they also the Manzari brothers also to me is, is being someone who's like I don't do it anymore, but I still participate in the scene. Like when Christy needs me to judge a battle, I'll always judge a battle. But right. being in a subgenre of a subculture, yeah, right. <clears throat> I'm always big on it being preserved. So it's like these like young tap dancing brothers who are doing the circuit. It's like oh, and like he even mentions it. Like we're on the road. I'm like oh, so there's still a lane for that. Oh, good. So like yeah. over like over a hundred years later. Mm -hmm. There's still a lane for that. You have well, to be great, also, obviously, but also, it's nice to know that that, that the culture is preserved. Which leads me into uh, <coughs> another thought I have, another think, another note I had, yeah. which is the importance of preservation. And yeah. then, um, like, there's obviously like it's hard to think about the Heinz brothers and like the notion of like famous black artistic families and not mm -hmm. think of like the Marsalises, right? Yeah. Like, well, then it's funny when I thought about brothers, the whole brother thing. I was like. And if the funny thing is, like, I first wanted to do a film about brothers around the time Scratch came about. And uh -huh. I sent, I even wrote a letter to the Hughes brothers that got to them. I was like, you know, I was thinking about the Hughes. How do you guys do it? How do you guys get along, right? Yeah. I was thinking, um, there was the Marcel's was brothers. Was before or after you had a falling out with your brother? It was while I was having the film. Ah, so, <laughs> so you were using art. Yeah, to, so I was to like, yeah. to grips with your understanding. Yeah, no, yeah, and yeah, to come to, like, sort of get... Get a clear explanation, or at least insight, insight and also present it insight. as real sight, more sight. I just was listening to that. Anyway, so, um, um, but yeah, the idea of that problematic of just even I, I'll take it just to creative partnerships. I know friends that were like college roommates, and then they don't speak. They work together, and they don't speak together. You work anymore, you know? Like there's that kind of thing. So it doesn't just have to be brotherhood, but there is bonds that fall apart. And you're left kind of like, well, I don't have any answers, you know, right. and 
Or just how do you work it out that you're so close? Well, I mean, the you, Marcellus is buzz. I think they, I think they're fine. But I, I mean, think they are fine, but they definitely have two different approaches. They're definitely like right, but they're both they're both two brothers that are trying to keep a history alive. With yeah, yeah. them, it's jazz music. Yeah, and they're they're both. I know who it was the Manjonis, Chuck Chuck Manjoni. He his his brother or something. I heard some interview with him. And he literally, I, so I used to work at Madison Square Garden, and one of my jobs was the fan cam director. I would go around the crowd and find people in the audience, and Hi. celebrities would put them on and make sure they're signed, didn't say something weird or whatever, and Chuck Man Joan was there, right? Okay. And, uh, and I said, oh, I said, I heard you worked with your brother. How, you, wh- how was that like? And he goes, I hate my brother. I was like, what? Like, like, like I was just like... You, I, I barely know this guy, and he tells you that, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you, you just pick yeah. this side, and it's like, wow, I was just like so baffled by that, but I kind of, <laughs> kind of was like, oh, okay, I kind of get it a little, right? But um, but the, but so anyway, that's how um, that's kind of how the film, you know, it grounded me, even though it's really just a celebration of this survivor, this guy, who, who who just. He can't stop himself from saying certain things, right. and then he, but he will, but, but holds on to a secret, and at the same time he's getting older too. So it's yeah. a, it's an interesting twist toward the end there. So and yeah, so you have like, it's just interesting when you have these. It's just art clearly is a genetic thing because I because I was like oh, I was looking at this and I'm like thinking about like, oh yeah the families also like. Uh, jungle in like the Nas documentary. How you know he's a rapper. He's Dude, a, steals the show in in life. I'll life tell you, is this is exactly yeah, you mentioned that right. This is exactly why I was just sort of preordained to do this film this way because when I saw that film, I, I talked to my friend Mark, the guy from Fat Beats, that and they're doing a Fat Beats documentary. I'm helping on that. Oh um, great! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, well <laughs> shot, we shot some well, of it here. Well, Percy, Percy P. P. Be outside. Yeah, I don't know. I'll find out. But dude, dude, Percy P. has to be outside. Well, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's who we are. I'm fairly yeah, sure. But we shot two creature. We shot um, creature Talib Kweli in here for the documentary and Dave Q. We shot here. Oh. Yeah, he's oh, like wow. we need we need a quick like location and he's like, can you do this job for me? And then we shot Pete Rock recently too. So wow. yeah, and I'm just helping out. This is not my film. I was just like just a random. Um, but with Mark, I remember talking to him afterwards of seeing the Nas thing. I'm like, if I would have done that, I would have made that film about the two brothers. I would have right. given Jungle more more attention and made it like a like almost like a little bit more like a raging bull kind of thing right. where it's like Joe Pesci and Especially the Nero characters. Like, like how much more documenting about Illmatic do we need? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I found Jungle more interesting. Right. And the fact that he was had these flaws was like really valuable to like, and that you could see that uh, Nas was there for him. Despite, it, it reminded me yeah. some other film about brothers. I forgot what it was, but I was like, oh, there's too much Nas. I want more jungle. Speaking <laughs> of brothers, I thought. Yeah. <clears throat> so knowing that that's my approach, I'm like, I just want I have to do it. I, I'm right. going to end and up doing a film about brothers. Speaking of like P. Rock, yeah. on my list, you have Grap Lover, right? Uh, that don't, who's Grap Lover? P. Remember Rock's the group brother. I and I? Stop yeah. making jacks. Yeah, yeah, that was Pete Rock's brother's group. I didn't. I never knew that. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like uh, he's a he's a fun guy to follow on Twitter. You know, Mad Lib's brother. Oh no! And or, they finally, after all these years, they released the album together. Uh, Mad Lib and Oh No, the the professionals. Is oh, it wow. good? It's best album of the year so far. But there is always so the other brother, right? There's yeah, always like, another brother. And then it's just like levels to it. Like Oh No is Mad Lib's brother. 
it would be, I mean, Mad Lib is, is one of those other level dudes. Oh No is very good, though. And the fact that they never, <clears throat> well, the so fact that they were on the same record label, have worked with the same artist, but they never collab. I always thought, what is up with that? And then they finally released now, after almost two decades, they did a project together, and it's kind of like, that's interesting. They're both on Stone's Boat, both are the same people, but they never collaborated. And when they finally did, I'm like, oh, okay. Because like, like, even like the Juggernauts was like essentially siblings. The family, the whole it was family. A, fam- a whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Or then you have Urban thermo- Thermodynamics. Which oh, wow. Most F's Most F, Yasin, Bay's rap, first rap group with his what, brother and what, sister, DC. Oh, what, I mean... I, or Illa, mentioned... Illa J. But what about Solange mm-hmm. and Beyonce or something like that? That's a different thing. Like, it's like... Well, when once so, a Solange mega star... Tried to make tried to make Beyonce-type music. Her first record was very... Yeah, popular. I was going to say, there's a change. Solange used to be, like, super pop. Uh, just then, like how, then, how Beyonce and Destiny's and Child, they were cho- super pop. Then she chose to make she her found own a, lane. a lane. And you can tell Beyonce borrows a lot from Solange now. There's a, there's a huge cross-up. Right. Like, they have... There's a fan base... A Venn diagram, if yeah. you know, And Solange's who... first lane change was was her doing like a like a old school funk thing. Then she started doing like right. The, but there is a difference. The, if with the Heinz brothers, they I'm not start, no no no. I, but just like yeah yeah no. But there was. But what I noticed is if you start out as a duo, and people are like, "You guys are together. Where where's your brother? Where's your brother? You guys are together. You guys are together." And then one you break up. Yeah, then that that's different than like, like let's say Beyonce's a superstar, and then like you're the, you're the sister of a superstar. You never really were uh, a duo. Yeah, I mean maybe uh, like what's Jimmy, Michelle Jimmy, or whatever. What's Jimmy from, Anvil Nightheart doing? You know who's that? Uh, <laughs> Jimmy he's, Anvil. He's, he's resting in peace. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> who is Jimmy Anvil? The, the Heart Foundation. Is this wrestling? Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Bret Hart went off. Jim Knight, no, Owen Hart and Bret Hart. Jim Nightheart was was just their brother-in-law. Owen Hart and Bret Hart. Are Jim Nightheart was in a was in a tag team with yeah. Bret Hart. Yeah, I'm just I, we were talking about siblings, so I t- I was I, well, I just wait, actually. Well, oh, I got a yeah, one. But, what about Gallagher's brother? Yeah, you know, like, you know, he, he does his acts on the road at the same time as Gallagher. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, because he was talking about. When when groups break up, start off, and there's that other person, yeah, the Marty Jannetty. That, yeah, that's the real uh, right. Because real. is is that is that the the Heartbreak Kids, the Rockers, the Rockers, yeah. yeah, the Rockers. Like it's like you're Shawn Michaels, and then there's like the, that, the Marty Jannetty. So yeah. he, he's, he's that he's that example. Yeah, so sorry, like, sorry. So yeah. like with, See, with we don't, that Venn diagram, I'm off that. I'm not, the wrestling, I don't. I don't. With the Black okay. Star, you have like Talib Kweli and Mostaf having both very like. Pretty equally powerful careers, and then that veer to a point that veer off in different ways. But then you have yeah, you have those those duos where really it was really one person. Yeah, yeah. That does but then happen. you have these duos who you look, you go back and learn. This is going to bring it back because you just quoted a sample that DJ Shadow used. I think of organized confusion. Right. When it's like oh, every Theramont is one of my favorite rappers. Yeah, yeah. But then you go back and listen, and it's just like. Prince Poe, as far as rapping, yeah, he was right there. Like everyone thinks, Farrell, and rightfully so. Right. When you go back, it's like and Farrell Mancho and, and Prince, Prince Poe and all Prince always Poe made an album with Oh No. He did. Oh wow, he did. And and they both explained where like when they were a group, Farrell Mancho was allowed to be the one hundred percent artist, whereas Prince Poe and they both handled beats equally. But Prince Poe yeah. was also doing a lot of business stuff, and he was doing a lot of. And then you learn like oh behind the scenes there was a lot of stuff. Like so the the one guy you know. Mm. But then the other guy who's associated with him was doing, like, for example, going back to, I, not, not to go over your head, 
But any wrestler will tell you from a technical standpoint, Marty Jannetty was the better wrestler than Shawn Michaels. Any of the peers will say that, but so Shawn Michaels is Mr. Wrestler? WrestleMania. Uh, junkyard Dog. Nice. Yeah, okay. like Junkyard Dog. He's I from like. my, my, my family's uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That, that's where he's from. So if you go to South... No, it's true. Spartanburg is small. Junkyard Dog is the if all of the state of South Carolina, Junkyard Dog. Uh, this is, is the first royalty. guy I thought of. He's royalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, but you know, Maurice, Bruno like, San Martino. Yeah, sure, like sure. Maurice is, was a was a dope artist in his own right. Yeah, exactly. Like, the yeah. one thing. Okay, so I, I in my investigating, I was like, and then people ask, like, well, why wasn't Maurice as famous as Gregory? Like, they both had like similar, like, they both were attractive men. They both were, um, they had a certain thing. But what I think what happened was. Um, Maurice rubbed people the wrong way And Gregory mm. was super charming sure. I think also I don't think Maurice being gay Made it hard I think it made it harder But I, I think he won't admit it Like I think that was part sure. of it Or like he was not gonna I don't think Maurice was really interested In becoming a Hollywood star Because he but knew that's that what I, You know but I was I was gonna get to that too I think sometimes yeah. when you think It's like always movies Sure no yeah. So movies So even I'm thinking of my Like I didn't even know yeah. Full disclosure, until my early 20s, I didn't even know, like, Gregory Hines had, like, a brother duo. No, you know what I'm saying? Know. And it was, it was my dad, who, New Yorker, oh, he yeah. was, like, he was the one, he was just, like, my dad, who was born in 1945, oh, wow, so he knew about, the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so was, he, and then, yeah. I th- it just had something, what, what was it? Maybe it was because when Gregory Hines passed away, I was like 21 or something. I was talking about it, mentioned it was just like, yeah. yeah, him and his brother. I was like, what do you mean him and his brother? I was like, and from my dad's area, he's like, what do you mean? He associated them together. He's like, yeah, because they, they really they were something on TV. TV. Were, oh, wow. and, and I'm thinking like, not even that. I'm thinking when I was like five years old, I just thought at first, mm-hmm. Gregory Hines was just an actor. I didn't even know anything about tapping. Yeah, no, I was, but like, I was a little kid. And then it's like. Oh, I guess it was that movie Tap when that came out. I was like, "Oh, Gregory Hines is oh no, White Knights." The the boy I was like, yeah. "Okay, so he's some kind of a dancer." But my intro to Gregory Hines was that movie he did with Billy Crystal. I was like, "Oh, so Gregory yeah, Hines yeah. is just the actor. He's yeah. not like an entertainer and, and 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 everything." So right, no, I mean, I was like, for me, it was History of the World, and sure. he was oh, tapping maybe in maybe that. Maybe it was that. He was tapping in that, uh, but I just remember him being a just seeing him a lot on talk shows like Letterman. And, sure, and. And him being super charming, super yeah. funny, and he was that buddy guy. He was yeah. like whether he was whether he was Billy Crystal or someone else. He's done other stuff. I mean, yeah. he did a film with William Dafoe or something, some kind of Vietnam movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but but the point I was getting at is that there's a lot of people they think movies and that that's the, and that is, but there's a whole like the whole Broadway theater world. Like, yeah, you can be very famous and successful in that world too. And I think people, the general, yeah, the average person. Thinks le- 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 lesser than, and I also think yeah. everything you said I think is valid. But I also yeah, think the, the point stage, too that stage, I think Maurice, stage people don't the stage people only care about the stage. But that no, but well, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. Maurice is one of those. I think he's one of those guys. Yeah, and, and to the outside world, it's like oh, they were a duo when one brother went out to Hollywood and the other one stayed. It's like not left behind. I, that was like his choice to because if if, yeah. if you really have a passion for what. The Hines, specifically what Maurice Hines is doing, you can only take that so far, like on the screen. You yeah, know yeah. What I'm saying? I and also, more... there was a point where Gregory wasn't even doing tap. Like he would like that thing where destruction. He, <laughs> right, no, but he, I think, yeah. I think. Well, there's a bef, bef, um, when he becomes like a hippie and moves out and does this record sure, sure, in sure. this group called Severance. Yeah. He's like, I'm done with tap. I'm done, like, and then he, when he did Yubi, which was like a retro kind of. Um, 
you know, UB Blake. Uh, done with hamster style. Yeah. Done with he just like they're like he's got he still got the chops. Same yeah. choreographer that they grew up with. They do this thing and then he becomes this major success and they're like, oh, you should be tapping forever, you know. And and he carried that torch and that's the thing that he's really his the tap community was like a little confused about like I was also a little worried like how do I tell the story that. It's a little nuanced. Gregory is not is not a saint in this story. No. Sure. Right? No, but sure. but how but I'm talking about a god in tap. You know, like am I gonna upset the tap world? And so hopefully I did it delicate enough. And from that tap my my inside the tap love tour podcast, they were like he was like he we, we, we had a long conversation about what Are that, you gonna be on the Tap Love podcast? I've already done it once. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, and Maurice has done it once I, too. I already downloaded that episode you were telling me about why. The bamboozle yeah, one is really good because I all I care about when it comes to podcasts, I will listen to a podcast about anything same, if same it's passionate. Though. It is. And you know what's even better? It's just like it's so insider and you feel so privileged. That's how that's why I, like, I feel I like about insider making films. baseball when it is about as long as as long as it's passionate and Dumbo. Yeah. And I don't like baseball, but I like insider baseball. You know what I mean? Right. No, like, as long as it's, it's authentic, you know, and it's not just these broad strokes. It's like these really, these minutiae details, but it's interesting to when you see that, hear that podcast, it's really so. I'm yeah. really excited about, about it. Okay. I, <laughs> you I, will, I do. He knows what we're talking about. I also think. He's a, in a, Toronto <laughs> too. He's from Toronto. A, a really great double feature with, with, with your film would be The Straight Story. David Lynch's The Straight Story. The most un David Lynch story. The most un David Lynch movie ever. That is a brother story. And, and you kind yeah. of forget. Because the movie, the movie's over two hours long, and, and you for, the whole point, it's based on a true story also. Yeah, yeah. The whole point is this guy going to see his brother who's ill, but the movie, I'm not going to say drags, because that's negative. I love, the movie goes no, on for so long, you're like, oh, wait, he's on this road trip on a tractor. Because that, because that, like, you're focused on, like, the people he meets along the way, and you get sidetracked, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to see his brother. But and that's, that's also, what you, that's also you know, life. Saying. Yes, exactly. But also, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Um, have you ever read uh, Beyond a Boundary by C.L.R. James? No. So C.L.R. James is a great historian, uh, you know, wrote, probably ghost wrote uh, Trotsky's treatise on, on um, how uh, about on black people in America, um, wrote The Black Jacobins, which is like one of the finest history stories about, the, the best story about the Haitian, the best book about the Haitian Revolution. Um, but he also wrote this book that's about cricket. Okay. And it's considered by many and myself to be the greatest book about sports ever written. And it also like goes into the politics of the sport and it mm. goes into the nuances of the sport. And I couldn't put it down when I read it. Really? And now you couldn't pay me to watch a cricket game. That should last like nine days. Yeah. That's mm. not for me. Mm. Yeah. So, so like good story, good art gets you like, I need to know more about this. So that's what I liked about this, because sort um. of like about the tap dancing and all this. And so uh, for our listeners, mm -hmm. when, when, when are we going to get a chance to, to okay. see this movie? So I have C Center. We got a week run. Yeah. So one at Doc NYC, and, which was great. It was yeah. the premiere. We're going to be in Miami next week, whatever. We're playing little festivals there, here and there. And then um, September, late September, I have C for a week. Try to awesome. do some some special Q and A's afterwards, things like that, and then that's the idea is like trying to get this sold. So there's distributors and folks that we're trying to court 
to try to get this on um, you know on a good platform. So what could our fans do to mm-hmm. to support and and find out more about what you're what you're doing right now? Uh, they could go to uh, the site is just up MauriceHinesMovie.com and there should be more information about like supporting there's some t-shirts you can buy and nice. things like that yeah and um and also just following it and just spreading the word and if you know any famous uh film studios <laughs> have them give us a call you know and with ifc is john vinko still at ifc i don't know this was like, oh, i didn't know if you had no. done it through him because no, he, no, he uh, runs that and or ran. You, you know if you don't have to answer this question if you don't want. Go ahead. Are you... So, are you going to reach out to your brother before or after the movie comes oh, out? Oh, I already have. I, 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 I had him come to the premiere. Okay. And okay. Cool. Are you all rebuilding? Are you all... Like, no, we... Or did that movie no, 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 no. Or, it, you, At a certain point, it, it's not like a movie. That's what well, it is. Like, yes, it's complex. It's, it's complex. Like, so, it's like, I think, for me, for many years, I was just like, what, what went wrong? Why can't we just be the way we were, you know, but, but so much time... You, pe- you can never be the way you were. You never can. What it's, has happened has happened. You have to renegotiate who you are now exactly. and then meet there. Right. As That's we're, a great we're, way of putting we're, it. We're only children, so it really sucks. When mm. you lose a friendship as an only child, there isn't the blood to get you to come back. Right. That's, Damn, that's and true. That's, it's that hasn't, true. that's maybe happened, I think, like once in, well, in my life. And when maybe it has, for, it's like, oh, Maybe for you. Yeah. But for me, the swimmingly personality, dude... I've 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 either cut cords or had cords cut. Right. And one one of the thing the threads that I see when friendship slowly deteriorates, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's nothing, sometimes it's neither, is one person or both people refusing to acknowledge that you're not the person you were yeah. and that you grow and that positives and negatives about you that existed six years ago might not be the same and you have to have room wiggle room to grow and change and be who you are and not be perfect and not walk on eggshells and not and be open to to because whatever relationship we had 10 years ago whatever relation that you aren't that person 10 years ago yeah i mean the interesting with my brother i mean we we do talk we do see each other on holidays and things like that but uh but yeah, no, he, 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 you do have, he, there is, I had to accept at a certain point that it was never going to be the same. Like, and that was the, and it reinforced it when, <laughs> like, I showed him the film. And like a week later, I was like, so what'd you think? I said, what'd you think? Some of the brother parallels, like, did you see a little of us in there, you know? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, no, first he was like, because he went to film school. He's like, you know, you can cut like 10 minutes at the end here. These are all technical talk. I was like, no, but how did you feel? You know, how did you feel? You know, and I, he couldn't get into it. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't get get the emotional response. He just wasn't emotionally invested. Right. And I had to just accept the fact that he he's just not gonna see. It's it's not. I just what it is. It is right? what it is. It's like I'm not. And I and I think halfway through, I stopped even thinking about. The film is for him anyway. Like it was just like I, I found. I kind of like exercised all my demons through making this film. Right. Like with or at least my brotherly, you that, know, estrangement. That was the MacGuffin. That was the MacGuffin. Yeah, it was like you just kind of start there and then you find yourself in it somehow. So. And before before as we wrap mm-hmm. up, are there any other things you'd like to say about the movie or? 
Um, do you any plans with uh, you know with battle, battle sounds? sounds like? Well, I did actually, yeah, but I just got so wrapped up in this film. But yeah, it's 25 years since Battle Sounds, and so I was trying to do this kind of release on social media where I would show exactly 25 years ago what I was recording. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that for about like a month, and then I and then this got into the film festival, and then I just got wrapped up. So I have a lot of old ones I'm gonna do, and it would just be like 30 seconds. I was like, like there's a Fat Beats battle that I shot, like that, like have all these DJs that no one knows, and Stretch Armstrong's a, a DJ, and Riz is a DJ, and you see Young Joe, Percy you know. No, I, no, but this is Fat Beats when it was under, like it was, it was in a different location, it was underground, oh, it was like okay. a yeah, 9th no, Street or something. Yeah, oh, I used I to be, I used oh, to be, wow. yeah, yeah. I, I used to be afraid walking to old Fat Beats. Yeah, you had to, and I literally was underground. Yeah. I mean, it was underground, and, uh, and then, it, then I have, just I have a lot of archives, and so what I have done is I have licensed some stuff. To, I licensed some footage to the Wu Tang film, and uh, obviously Stretching by Beatles film. So some of the fat beats, uh, some of the um, uh, battle sound stuff has worked its way into uh, hip hop evolution. Uh, some some stuff I shot with uh, Kid Capri because what I did with battle sounds was I shot like two hundred hours worth of footage. And then um, I had like some rough cuts. And I had like a I've been putting it on. What? <laughs> That's Kid Capri. Oh, oh, oh Kid Capri. Uh, and then I had like a five-hour rough cut. And I'm like, oh. And then um, we got uh, DJ five, five DJ Spooky actually got us into the Whitney Biennial, like a big right. art exhibit, right? So. Major, you know, biennial every two years. That dude's like a major academic now. Yeah, so well, he always was, and that's what that's, it, that's what it was. So he knew people because he was doing like the music for the the elevator music for the biennial, and he's like, oh, you guys should know about this. Send your tape to to them, and it was in an installation at the Whitney Biennial, and they needed like an hour. Can you give us an hour of the film? So I roughly put together an hour, um, and that's what the documentary is, and that's not the whole film. That's like that's not even close to it, but. And it's all, and I feel bad because, like I mentioned, Jazzy Jeff and Cash Money—they're not in this, and they're a humongous part of the story. They, and I don't even, and I think they should have had an even bigger part in Scratch. I mean, those right. guys. So things like that. So I, 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 this archive of stuff, I want to do something with Battle Sounds. I, I got in touch with Doctor Butcher of all people. Oh yeah, Butcher. Because I wrote there's this documentary about um, Paul C. Yeah. Um, oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. And cool. I wrote about it on my site, and then a friend sent it to Drew to Dr. Yeah. Butcher and then like I reached out because he shared it on his Facebook page and I was just like hey, yeah. just you know I'm, I'm the guy that wrote that and he's like oh wow. I was like yeah I'm not, I mean I'm not best friends but mm. I was friends with Rada yeah. I know Rob I know I'm, yeah. I'm buddies with Sinister yeah. and Sugar Cuts if we're talking about mentors Dr. Butcher was 1000% Sugar Cuts' mentor yeah. coming up and he's one of my best friends so we knew you know a lot of the same people we're also both born in... I didn't grow up in Queens, but we're both yeah. born in Queens. Oh, so we connected on that. It's, it's funny. This whole... Speaking of mentor, DST, DXT, rather, yeah. is was the mentor of our good friend, friend of the show, uh, and yeah. again, Core Rhythm. So it's just crazy uh, how all this stuff... Yeah. As we've been, I've been looking at, like, where where each and every person is, you know, right now. It's it's it, it's interesting. It, it's interesting. So... In a, one of them, it's interesting for yeah, but anyway. Well, yeah. So the the battle sounds I mean, the thing. Pulse, the Paul C shit. That's like. That's very interesting. I love all these kind of like small. And just the people that can't like 
the fact that he mentored organized confusion in OC and worked with early ultramagnetic MCs. And his, and his, his beats like, that... And really, Large Professor, of course, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And oh, like, he only yeah. had a couple yeah. beats that you can hear. They're really good. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. That documentary is really good. It's very yeah. sad. He was murdered. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was... Yeah. He, the, and it, wasn't it, it? was they, on America's Most Wanted? Yes, it was. They brush over it in the documentary casually, but there's a whole other documentary that come from... So, Super Lover, seeing Casanova... Yeah, Lover, I like them. They were DNA implied... Yeah. They were implicated in his murder. They were suspects at, at one point for a while. They eventually got cleared. Yeah, they... And they talk... I'm not snitching, like, because they, they themselves are in the documentary and they talk about how they were right, suspects. Right. In Interesting. It. But that's kind of crazy, yeah. yeah Girls, yeah. I got unlocked. Yeah. Do you... Uh, I have that cassette. Yeah. So. When uh, when Nas made that "Where Are They Now" song for the Hip Hop Is Dead record, uh-huh. there, were, there were he did mention Casanova Rudd, mm. and they made like several remixes where all the rappers that he mentioned rapped. Oh, dope! Uh, and uh, Casanova Rudd had like one of the best parts. Wow! I remember being like, "Oh, he's still got it." Right, yeah, right, right. that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so. Uh, I guess dealing with some of my archives, I have some projects with nice, all that. Nice, I mean, because nice. between Battle Sound and this Heinz project, I was doing stuff for this network current TV, I did stuff for this brick TV thing, and I still retain a lot of the rights to this material. So I have like sort of a anthropological look at New York City through some of these films and stuff like that. So I'm going to do something with that, but I'm plugging away, and we'll see what nice. this documentary takes us, you know? That's yeah. like 80 blocks above Christie's. 100 blocks? 80 blocks from Tiffany's. Tiffany's, yeah. yeah. I, I want to rewatch that right now. Once you said anthropology. There's some great audio. The, like, hip-hop has, has... There's been some cool... Like, Ka and other people have, have borrowed audio True. from that. But there's so much... There's so many great audio bits that, that can you be used. You say, like, New York anthropology. It makes me think of movies yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it was lovely to have yeah, you on the show. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send you links and things like that. More stuff as they happen please and guys check out mauricehinesmovie.com and you, what's your twitter at mauricehinesmovie all and, right and then just me is john maybe underscore carluccio i don't know or, 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 you'll find well, me i'll figure it out you figure it out yeah there'll, there'll probably be like a like we usually put descriptions yeah. on our and, and when we tweet out the episode we'll tag all the yeah when responding things. okay cool yeah this will this will be out this friday yeah Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we we do a yeah. There's so the screening, part the screening Monday, yeah. screening Monday. So oh, I mean Sunday, Sunday, Miami Film Festival Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So well, somehow so. you're listening to this so t- and you're in Miami. <clears throat> yeah. Go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Start up the phonograph.